Someone's in trouble. Where? Who knows? Stand by for emergency materialization. It's alive, you know, Baldwin. It watches every move we make. There is no antimatter aboard this ship. And I tell you, disappeared into the vortex between this universe and the next. No, not the Doctor! He can't be dead! In today's episode... And I'm just like, no, let's just not have an antimatter story because the reality of it is just so impossible that it just makes me angry. So no! Night's candles are burnt out and Jock and Day stands tiptoe on the misty mountaintops. I just kept imagining him with beer mug and darts in his hand. He just had the beer belly of a, of a wonderful Eric Bristow. When they leave Zeta Minor, the creature actually comes up from his little pit to say, Bye! Yes! Yeah! <laughs> Bye! Yeah! He almost it's raises a little point. <laughs> Hello and welcome to World Enough and Time. And I'm Andy. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. So we've moved inside today, haven't we? Yes. We're still in New Zealand. Yes. In Zed. And we're still in the Coromandel. And we watched another Who. Who's amazing. So we could record another podcast. Lucky, lucky listeners, that's all I can say. They are, aren't they? Yeah. So we, we thought last time, after having watched a slew... A veritable slew of black and white episodes. But it's time to watch some colour. Snappy colour, as I think what was we were it? after. After snappy colour? Snappy. Did we get our snappy colour? It was fast. Yeah. Was so, it good? Mm, we'll come to that. Let's work that out as we uh, interrogate our next story. Yeah. So, before we get there, though. We have no idea about our Hall of Fame, because it was minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. I still don't think we know, we don't even know about the Castrovel Hall of Fame yet. But we're excited, so Mm -hmm. do let us know. Yes, please do. Always get in touch on Twitter, at WorldEnoughPod, and we'll happily like anything you say, provided it's nice. We actually are just, yeah, Twitter whores. So, (laughs) just say anything, we'll mention it, really. Um, We're very keen, as well, to get reviews on... um, What's it called? Apple Podcasts? Yes, that. Yes, we would really like you to give us reviews, but only if they're five-star reviews. Isn't yep. that the rule? That is really the, the crux of what we're after. It's yes. a bit like Ubers. You know, when people give Ubers less than five stars, why would you do that? No, nobody actually will ever thank you for that. No. There we go. We start in time-honoured tradition with a quiz. Quiz! <laughs> So, due to popular demand, this is anticipated popular demand, because we're returning to a quiz format that I used 
in an episode that's not yet been released. Brilliant. I imagine it was very popular. <laughs> very popular. We are going to do another quiz, which sounds complicated but isn't. Okay. Alex, tell me, how many First Doctor Who, First Doctor even, companions are there? There's a few. Have a, have a struggly a stumble towards a number. Right, okay, let's go. We've got Susan, Barbara, Ian. That's three. Mm. I can almost feel like I'm playing Sanctionary here. <laughs> <laughs> Susan, Barbara, Ian. Vicky. Stephen. That's five. Dodo. Dodo, six. I think we've got a. I think we class Sarah and Katerina. Seven, eight. I'm gonna go. That's your. That's your Lotteroonie. No. Oh, shit. Oh no. Um. Shit. <laughs> oh, Polly Ben. That's it. There's ten. Ten. So unlike last time when we did fourth Doctor and third Doctor companions, there are actually ten William Hartnell companions, and. There are ten questions. Shit, did I? That wasn't even a question. I feel like I should have tried a lot less. <laughs> that wasn't any that quotes. That was like that. really hard work. You okay. just have to actually work out these ten quotes from yeah. these ten companions, but there's no red herring. There's no one missed out this time. Easy. I think these are harder. Um, being as I barely remembered they existed, yes. <laughs> okay. So, we have question number one. Yeah. Quote number one. Now, you want me to do them almost as uncannily like the actual companion, don't you? Well, I would expect nothing less from your amazing, 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 amazing acting skills. Please, throw them at me. It's just outside London. I came here once with the school. It's called Whipsnade. I came here once with the school. Oh. Okay. Question number one. The way they say came here. Okay, it's got to be Coal Hill School. That's the only school we care about. It ha Do they go there in the capacity as teacher or student? Hmm. Just the excitement that you said it with made me think it was a pupil <coughs> at the school. So I believe Susan had a very enjoyable visit to Whipsnade Zoo. I'm going to go Suzanne. Wrong. Well, you said it with the wrong kind of intonation then. Please tell me. It was Dodo. What? In its opening story. Freak. At the start of the arc. She thinks it's Whipsnade Zoo, but it's the arc. <sighs> what school did she go to? That we don't know. We don't know. Damn. We assume it's somewhere near Wimbledon Common. Good. Wimbledon Common School. That's what I was assuming. Was she ever a ball girl? A ball girl? Sorry. Oh, I see. What was that? I like the idea of Dodo Chaplet being a ball girl at Wimbledon. Yes, I think she might. In her summer been. holidays. Yes. It would explain a lot. It would. Maybe she was hit by a few balls in the head. <laughs> so, question two. Yes. You've only just come and you're trying to ruin things. It was all right before. It was. The rescue ship's coming and nobody asked you to come here. Nobody. Shit. Um... So, I'm going to have to get very basic here and just be like, well, they said the word rescue. <laughs> <laughs> they said the word rescue. Vicky started in the rescue. I think it's Vicky. And you would be correct. Yes! One point. The next one's quite interesting because it mentions another companion in the quote. Shit. I'm worried about Dodo. I'm supposed to be looking after her. 
you know, showing her around. Okay. So, again, I know so much about her sex companion. Um, I believe that it's Stephen purely because I didn't know that Dodo had ever been near Polly and Ben. Maybe she has, maybe she hasn't, don't know, but I know she was with Stephen. Stephen! No, I'm afraid that was Polly. <sighs> Hiding her relationship with Dodo all the way. They go to a disco together, the Inferno Club. Oh. Yes, do you remember now? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah! In the War Machines. Yeah, I remember now. You got one correct so far. Yeah. It was a good I one. like the next one. It's quite quick and, and fast and strong. Snappy. Am I not a god? Support me! Am I not a god? Support me. Um, so, um, so, who's a god? Why did I get confused with a god in the Aztecs? And does Katarina get confused with her god in the Mythmakers? I just don't know. Someone, someone's a god. Oh, would they not say goddess? If it's, it can't be Ian. Ian's no one's god. Neither is Ben. Please tell me Stephen isn't a god. Um, I'm going to go with Katarina. Close, but no sky. It was Barbara in the Aztecs. <gasps> Started there. Convinced myself otherwise. Number five. Yep. The wind. Listen, can't you hear it? I've never heard that on Kemble before. Kemble. Yeah, my favourite place of Kemble. Isn't Kemble something Sarah Kingdomy? I'm going to go Sarah Kingdomy. Correct. Yes, I got one. I got one. You've got two out of five. Oh, have I? What was the other one I got? You got um, Vicky. Did I? Yes. Next one. Yeah, well, thanks for the home movies, Doctor. Now, if you just open these doors. Oh, home movies. Um, sounds a little bit. Sounds a little bit cocky. Let's be honest. Who's? I think Stevens. Cocky. Stephen. It's Ben. Ben. He's cocky. Yes, he's a cocky cockney. He's a cocky cockney. Gosh, I should have got that. Yeah. Number seven. All right, we'll play your little games, but if we win, we get the TARDIS back, okay? <sighs> Celestial Toymaker type games? Who's in the Celestial Toymaker? I say to all the Doctor Who fans around me. Christy. Who's in the Celestial Toymaker? This one. Oh, really? I'm going to go that one. Um, Stephen again. God, one of them's got to be Stephen. Correct. Yay! You have three correct so far. Was that so in the far. Celestial Toymaker? It was. Yes! Thinking. <coughs> I think this one is easier. Okay. Question number eight. Get with it, Barbara. Get with it. Styles change. Styles change. Sounds Ian. He sounds patronising. Yes, that's Ian in the chase. Yay! So you now have four. Uh -huh. Very good. Out of a possible sum. Eight. Good. Fifty percent correct. Not oh, bad. Good. Question nine. You show me so many strange mysteries. With you, I know I'm safe. Oh. I'd love to think that was Katerina saying, "I know I'm safe." Katerina. Correct, Amondo. Oh, she's not safe. Somebody tell me. I think her she says it safe. in the episode just before she dies. Oh no! Sad. She's a tragic character. She is. 
You've got five now. Yeah. See if you can make it six by getting the last one right, if you remember which one you haven't had. Yes. That would be impressive, wouldn't it? I like walking through the dark. It's mysterious. You don't mean that. Susan Hall? Suzanne. Practicus Potts. Yes. Six out of ten. <gasps> that wasn't that bad in the end, was it? Basic understanding of Doctor Who and its companions. There was an upturn. There was. I think as the, as the n number I could get wrong reduced. <laughs> yes. Well done, me. So that was the quiz. Yeah. Skill. <laughs>
Towns of Wang Chiang. That's it. The Deadly Assassin, I think, was him. All good. Genesis of the Daleks. Wow. I'm not even sure he did Death, Deadly Assassin. It feels like he did. Okay, you're guessing. Good. I'm I'll guessing a guess. bit. But this story is lodged between Terror of the Zygons and Pyramids of Mars. Both absolutely amazing. Uber classics. And we always hear Elizabeth Sladen freaking loved it. Favourite story. So I'm thinking, well, if she loved it and she's been in amazing ones, it must be quite wonderful. Yeah, but then you hear that she didn't like Pyramids of Mars just because she got a bit irritated by the director. It makes you think, well, no, you must have understood the complete joy and glory of Pyramids of Mars. And it makes you think that us as the viewers get given a very different picture to a person who was stood there running through the forest or the fake swamp and whether or not that that gave you one view or another of the show like for us we see the whole thing we see the plot we see the joy i guess for them they just get to run around and just hope that at the end of it some of it made sense yeah Yeah. i mean in terms of doctor who stories being filmed out of order i think the first one that was filmed out of order was death to the daleks and I remember, again, Elizabeth Sladen in her autobiography saying that she was kind of annoyed with Michael E. Bryant because it was silly doing it like this. But, of course, it made perfect sense because it meant that you could finish everything with one set and then move on. Right. But I think the, the difference it made to the actors was that previously they understood the stories and now they were like, well, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. What's my motivation in this scene? Yes, not a freaking clue. So I think maybe it's that they didn't understand the stories and therefore they were like, well... They would have had a read-through of the whole thing, and they would have had a rehearsal time, but yeah. perhaps they didn't appreciate how a story knitted together. Yeah, or care. Or care. Possibly. But yeah, no, watching the um, the making-of-style bit afterwards mm. gave it more joy. Like, I did appreciate how well they did on a shoestring. And the joy of a, a psychedelic jungle can't be excused. Like, it's not something that you're like... Oh, well, sod it. I mean, they did amazing things, and that was at the core of Doctor Who. It was make something that was otherworldly out of no money whatsoever. And they did that. I, I do believe that planet. I believe it, and I feel that it was something that I... It was almost unfathomable. Just at the end of the universe, something quite magical Yeah, they got to experience. So yeah. that worked. And I think it's one of the very best jungles in Doctor Who. You've also got Creature from the Pit. I love the jungle in that on Chloris. Okay. But it's because it's on film. Yes. And most of this was on film. Yeah, no, you could, yeah, being on film did make actually a real difference to it. Um, but I mean, honestly, I think even, obviously we've just done the Daleks, and the jungle in the Daleks, I, maybe it's because it was black and white, but I think I believed it a tiny bit more. Really? That kind of crispy kind of, crunchiness to it that kind of there's no real the life within it is i mean it's petrified that 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 comes across it does feel like it's all the life drained out of it i think that was magic um but yeah for this one the forest wasn't bad it was beautiful but it just yeah it 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 wasn't enough to make a story out of gosh so you, what are you saying? That you think they relied on the jungle too much? Well, that was it. That was all we had to to hang our hats on, really. Like, I, I just uh, there was the jungle, and then there was a very loose Jekyll and Hyde plot. Really, yeah. that was 
That so, was all we know. So season 13, famously riffing on old horror stories yeah. or gothic stuff. Um, for instance, Frankenstein, Brain of Morbius, um, Blood from the Mummy's Tomb or the Mummy, which is um, Pyramids of Mars. And this was another sort of classic horror genre story. Mm. But what, what they were saying in the making of and what, what it's meant to be is that Zeta Minor is meant to be the, um, also to be Jekyll and Hyde. Right. As much as Sorensen. I've missed that. Yes, I think it's the planet's meant so to be a character as well. good and bad. I don't think it's very good though, is it? Well, I guess it, it's a, a planet of its word. <laughs> <laughs> if you give me this back, then I will not kill you all and mm. I will let you go. Then yes, they, they did that. Yeah. Okay, so let's get into it from episode one. Oh, let's. I, by the way, I have no memory of when I first saw this. Okay. I think it may have been on UK Gold Okay. in the 90s. It sounds likely. Yeah. So, I don't remember opening <coughs> the video or anything at any point. I think it was released on... I don't even know whether I had the video. No. I think I must have done, but not for long. I think it was a late release one. Oh, oh I think I know when I watched it. I think it was at a convention. Ah, oh, really? It was when they used to have those video rooms. Yes. And watched them for the first time. It's magic. Yes, I think it was probably that, and there was probably lots of people round about munching crisps and generally being <laughs> annoying. Yes. So, I was watching it this time thinking, this feels like it's the first time I've ever watched this. And I think the fact that I always feel like that with Planet of Evil, I've probably seen it about five or six times. Yeah. Indicates to me again this issue that it doesn't lodge in my brain. No. But I love the start, I have to mm. say, with Brown, I think he was called. I think he was just called Brown. The oldish spaceman guy, as yeah. I've written down, wandering around. Liked him. He'd buried Egard Lum oh, brilliantly. Yeah. Egard Lum. Yeah. And um and then all elsewhere at the pool set you've got you've got Sorensen and Baldwin yeah. who are who are collecting those crystals by the pool. Yeah. Those crystals, again, took me back to 107 Exeter Street. Because remember we had those crystals oh, in the fire? Oh, the fire, yes. They're sort of like oh, really did. crappy crystals. Oh, so funny. They were like Zeta Minor crystals. Weren't they, though? They were. They really were. So, um, another thing that struck me at this point was that Frederick Yeager, who plays Sorensen, very different in, in The Invisible Enemy, where he plays Professor Marius, canine's owner. Ah, uh, yes, I knew Well, I knew, I was looking at him thinking, you're canine, but obviously he wasn't. Ah, uh, that's why I know him. But Got he's it. very sort of blustery as Marius. Yes. And sort of like bluff and do overblown. You, do you mean he can act and can play different roles? I think he must be able that's to. That's good. The thing here is Sorensen, he's quite straight. He's very not that. Yeah, and he's also in another one, isn't he? Frederick Yeager. Is he? I don't know which one it is. I feel like a bad Doctor Who fan. I don't know. Yeah, could you be better? Christy, do you know? No. 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 no Can you get on the Jager train and find out? So, I do want to say that what's very important about this story is that it's the start, the very start of a new era in Doctor Who. Oh, yeah? Because Harry left at the end of Terror of the Zygons. He does turn up in The Android Invasion two stories at a time, but he's only in it briefly. Yeah. So really, this is the new... This is the new... One-on-one. Doctor and Sarah travelling alone. Units kind of a distant memory. Mm. Again, an android invasion briefly. Yeah. But it's like, no, we're just setting out. Alien worlds. It's two best friends travelling together, yes. having fun. Their closeness 
was still lovely in this. Yeah. Like that's the bit that we always love in the Pyramid of Mars. Like it's pyramids. Um, it their closeness and their comfort with one another yeah. was beautiful. And that that isn't lost in this. They have it. Um, but their joy and their silliness, I think, isn't where it often is. I, I do wonder whether or not the Doctor was told to be less silly or whether he's having a bad couple of days or just the, the joy and kind of whimsy that he brings to most stories was lacking. I do think, yeah, there's one scene in which they, they look at each other after the, you know, Sarah being rigid and she's thinking and she's had the experience with the monster. Mm. And then they have this bit where they're just looking at each other and the doctor says to Sarah, you look all right. And then they just give each other really lovely, broad smiles. Yes. But elsewhere, the doctor is really quite... <coughs> quite intense and dark. Mm. A bit sullen, almost. And yeah. I do think maybe he decided, well, I'm going to play the evil of Planet of Evil. Not evil himself, but like play appropriately. Yeah, to match it, maybe. Yeah. And Sarah's quite serious. She's also quite angry. Oh, is she? Yes. Who is she angry with? Um, the way they keep being treated. Right. She gets quite annoyed with people. Do you ever get tired of being pushed around? Frequently. <sighs> yeah, I must admit, from early on, like, when you're like, oh, we're back in that same old situation where the Doctor and Sarah are being treated like criminals because they're in the wrong place at the wrong time. I just kind of thought, well, if I had landed on this being in a slightly military position um, on this planet and these two people were there and everyone else had died, I'd be pretty suspicious too. And I didn't feel like the Doctor and Sarah did anything to try and kind of prove their innocence. They were just like, yeah, no, it's not us, we're bored now. Like, we're just kind of, this is what happens to us all the time. We always get told we're criminals and we're just not, but we're not even going to begin to explain to you why we're not. And I just thought, like, if I was Uncle Print then I wouldn't have believed their innocence either. Like, I think you need to explain Uncle Prent. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, that's what he's called in our house. <laughs> our house. Like we've got a house together. feeling, uh, I think this dates back to Exospace, doesn't it? Yeah, the Exospace convention in 1990. 90 or 91. Yeah, so my first convention, was it your con first convention? Yes. Or was it Exospace 2? I think it was Exospace 2, so your yeah. second convention. 91. And my first convention, so had no idea what to expect, but could not believe that there was a chance that I might be about to meet Deborah Watling and Peter Miles, <laughs> which I, I think know. were the headlines. Um, and Cy Town, the Dalek operator, who took a real time to you. I loved him. Yeah. Um, and actually, um, we did meet um, Nicholas Courtney. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, Uncle Prent was there, Prentice Hancock, and I think we were just so excited. Um, that we were meeting these people, that we decided to to create a closeness that perhaps didn't exist. <laughs> so I remember we sort of like were jostling close to him during the fireworks display. Oh, is that <laughs> what it was? He was in a brown leather jacket that I remember to this day. <laughs> I remember even thinking then, I'm not sure you can carry off a leather jacket at your age. <laughs> but then I'm probably beyond the age now that yes, he was that at he then, was and then. I'm wearing leather jacket, so... Yes, no. <laughs> but yeah, so... I think we just kept taking the piss out of each other, saying we're getting closer to Uncle Prent. Um, so yes, whenever I see him now, he is always our Uncle Prent. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, I 
I did like that he started off as a character who you're kind of like, you know, he could be on our side, he's trying to make decisions, he's trying to run a ship, and, and then he kind of, yeah, I, I like how his um, captaincy progresses, the fact that there is a bit of a mutiny and that he his authority was questioned, I think was an interesting bit of play in there. Um, it, it There was no clear black and white, and that's actually, a, a, that um, stands out for me throughout, this particular show is that it's not a, a black and white. It's not like a good and evil, um, they're right, you're wrong. So for Uncle Prent, he's doing his best. He believes he's making some good choices. He's quite harsh, um, but he's not trying to fuck anyone over. Why? We believe you to be responsible for all the deaths. Unless you cooperate, I shall kill you and the girl without compunction. Oh, great. That's a thanks you get for helping people. What is all this? The doctor risked his life on our account. That was a ruse to gain our confidence. His real intention is to destroy us. So, the accepted received fan wisdom is that Salomar's not a very good character and that Uncle Prent doesn't very good, do a very good job of reacting. Mm. Didn't know that. Thought he was perfectly all right. He was fine, wasn't he? Yeah. Because he was just doing a role that's quite one-dimensional and just like, uh, I'm in charge. I, no, I think he... Yeah, I mean, he had a very clear, like, position, but I don't think he did it wrongly. He, I guess what fans are probably wanting from him is for him to go, okay, I, I was wrong, and um, the Doctor can make all the decisions for me, which is what tends to happen in these shows. If yeah. you're... If you're to like the person in charge, they make the right decision, which is to shut up, stop thinking, and follow and, what the and doctor yeah, says. Yeah, hand in with him. Yeah. Um, and I guess the fact that Salomar, to the end, is like, no, I don't really think you're right. Okay, that that was his call, but I I really wouldn't say that was an acting call. I'd say it was more of her, his character remained someone who we probably found unlikable because he didn't agree with our main character, who we all love. Yes. Can we have a Shakespearean interlude? Please do. Night's candles are burnt out, and Jock and Day stands tiptoe on the misty mountain tops. Yeah. What? Tom Baker says that. Does he? The Doctor says that on the planet. Does he? Yes, in Why? response to the the darkness and stuff. I think maybe he thinks it's going to be light now. I don't know. Yeah. But it's from Romeo and Juliet. I just looked that <laughs> looked that up, and I didn't know that. I don't like Romeo and Juliet. It's a bit dodge. It's just. Yes. Yes. Um, can I tell you something? Yes. <gasps> no, actually, I think we might have to jump into Dressed for Success. I was going to say, it's about time we had Dressed for Success. It's time for Dressed for Success. Yes! I'm going to get dressed for success. Shaping me up for the big time, baby. Get dressed for success. Well, I can tell you. Tell me. Well, again, back when I first watched it, those damn space outfits of the spacey, martially types. The Marestran Empire. Them. Not okay. But now all I can say is, they weren't designed with a beer gut in mind. They really they, weren't. They were not, or a big bottom. They were not forgiving. They really weren't. In any that, way. That chap that we saw in the thingy. Dehan. Dehan. Played by Graham Weston. Poor Flower. Possibly largest backside in Doctor Who. I know, but also that the belt around that belly was just wonderful. It just it was designed for emphasis as opposed to any kind of a camouflage. And I just no. kept imagining him with a beer mug and darts in his hand. He just had the beer belly of a 
of a wonderful Eric Bristow. It was quite <laughs> fantastic. Yes. So, and also you've got the brown costumes that the people who have landed on the planet already yes. are wearing. They're lovely and brown. Yes. Well, they blend. They do blend with the earth. Yeah, not the psychedelic colour of the tree. No. So, and also you've got a very low scooped neck, haven't you, on mm. those blue space out space outfits? Space outfits, that's what they are. Yeah. All right, so the only other costume I think we have is Sarah's. Where do you stand on that? Well, you kept telling me she was wearing green sockets. She was wearing green socks under those sort of lacy-uppy... Oh, I know what you mean. Wedgie shoes. Oh, so it wasn't a bright green then. Yes, no, okay. Um, I liked what it did to her waist. Did like a wee bit of a... It was a corset-style waistcoat, and it did look quite wonderful. Um, agree with your point that you made, which I'm stealing from you, is that her hair is the length that it should be. Yes, that's the thing. first thing I said when I saw her. I was like, finally, her hair's the right length. Yeah. Turn the cycle, it's a little too short. Yeah. Um... Not that I'm saying when it gets longer that it's wrong. No, but it is. It suits her well, and she looks gorgeous. Yeah. So yeah, no, I and I don't mind the weird socky things with the. Um, it's a wedgy heel with, thing. Yeah, I mean, with, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't do it myself. No. But no, she. Um, yeah, it worked quite nicely. So yes, I think just for success wise, there was a wee bit of success there. Claudits. Yeah. Yes. So good. So should we move on from dress for success? Please do. Rapidly, because I don't know who the costume designer was. Yeah. Oh <laughs> the Dion Dex Murrow! <laughs> it wasn't. I'm feeling, feeling like it's quite Barbara Lane. Are you? Or... If only I had my phone. I know. If only someone wasn't using a phone for another per poise or a poor poise. Yes, Christy. I'm gonna get rest for sunsets. So, episode one. Have you got anything else to add about episode yes. one? Yes. Tell me. Loved how Uncle Prent was like... Okay, so really, I'm not in the mood to waste my fuel, so sod your safety and shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh -huh. I just thought that was quite horrific. Um, but I, again, that all just leads to his being quite an unlikable captain. Like, it was quite, yeah, you know, yeah, we could do a scan, but no, because I really don't care about you. And he doesn't hide that behind any kind of a red tapey, oh, you know, it's just not something we can do, it's against protocol or blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, we don't have enough fuel, so just shut up with your silly damn request. Quite like that. Andrew Rose. Costume designer. Yes, never he, heard of him. Yeah. He doesn't exist. And that's probably true. <coughs> so in episode one as well, we have the deaths by the monster. What do you think about having an invisible monster? Hate it. Hate it. What I do just, you think about the outline I'm monster? Like, what is killing them? Are they like are they being throttled? Are they just feeling uncomfortable? Are they being sucked into the ground? I didn't understand it. I didn't get any satisfaction from it. The fact that they're gone doesn't give you the <gasps> they're dead. It just gives you a and then they pop up later with fully clothed but without any skin. Yes. Or bits. Because they've been compressed, have they? I don't know. Maybe they're wearing, um, what was that phrase you said to me the other day I'd never heard of? Compression knickers. <laughs> <laughs> I often like to say compression knickers. They had to wear compression warning. knickers. Yes. Oh, no, other things that were said in the first episode. Yes, um, tell me. I was impressed with Liz saying, um, so there's handheld tools. So she's like, ah, oh, so they must have at least had hands. And I was like, I wouldn't think like that. Yes, handheld tools, but I wouldn't have considered that. But well done. And it then, worked. and then he says something about oh, in the solar system, 
And she's like, oh, so they're close by then, because they must have a, a son. And obviously she's wrong, but I like the fact that she'd made that link that, again, I wouldn't have made a solar system is something that is relating to... Well, I think the Doctor's quite encouraging with her, isn't he? Mm. Isn't he? Because he's like, with both Sarah and Harry, he's kind of like, good, you're thinking and Ooh. stuff. I think they do respond. Mm. So, yes, I did like the fact that she had those moments to say interesting things. But I did find him quite patronising when he sends her off to get... Was he saying Spectrum Analyzer or Spectro Analyzer? Spectro Mixer, wasn't it? Oh, for goodness sake, it began with spec. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my take on that, my own read on that, is that She's gonna let him. He's gonna let her go and get it, mm. but he's worried that she might be in danger. But she's so confident. He's like, "No, I'm just gonna let it go." And she can yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. You're not convinced. I don't know. I yeah. No. Don't care. I felt yeah. Oh, there's a weird m- moment which I'm gonna play in, where it sounds like the soundtrack, the music soundtrack, suddenly becomes, "Oh dear, what can the matter be?" Oh, is that why you started singing that? It is. Oh, I'm going to play it in now. I love see? That, I love that you prep those moments. <laughs> it just sounds so silly. I see. I don't see. I don't Did you hear it? I didn't hear it's it. It's just like it. I'll hear it afterwards and go, oh my God, you're so right. I know. Yes. Um, I was intrigued to see it was the second time in two stories that Sarah was starved of oxygen. Yeah. Needs a bit of that, doesn't she? Apparently. Yeah. Happens regularly. And there was a Doctor Who Blake 7 crossover. Did you spot it? Shit. No. Was it outfit based? No, it's planet name based. <gasps> what? They're beyond Cygnus A. Oh, no, I did hear Which that. must be Cygnus, Cygnus Alpha. Cygnus Alpha, yes. Now, I thought maybe that was a, like a planet that has at some point like been considered to possibly exist somewhere. That shows my level of knowledge of planetiness mm. yes no I did hear the Cygnus A thing and I have to say it again I loved Sarah telling the doctor about how they could escape yes that magne- was actually beautiful the magnetically locked windows what happened exactly they were sat on the bunk and, and she's like I think we shouldn't isn't it about time we escaped and then and he's like well we can't and they're magnetically and locked and she's like but the power's low Oh, uh, yes. And then she just looks really cute and gorgeous at him. I know. Uh, yeah, it was. And it he's was like, beautiful. yes. And they do get out. Yeah, he's very proud of her, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's those moments where they share those looks together is what you live for at this stage of Doctor Who, I think. It it's is. just so wonderful. Let's go, shall we? How? Through the window. They're magnetically locked. But the power is low. So, into episode two. One of the highlights of episode two for me is the Oculoid Tracker. Is it? I like the Oculoid Tracker. I like the fact it's got a big old whacking cat's eye. Yeah. And that it flies around in quite a clever way. Yes. And it's got, apparently it was on wires. You can't see them. Brilliant work. Isn't it a little bit like those things that we used to play with as a child? Those melon things. What? Where you'd have like two little... With things. a ring. Yeah. With a string. Yeah, you'd have and you'd two go, things in your hand. And you're... 
they used to ki- kill your kill your knuckles, didn't they? They hurt so much. The pain, the they aim hurt. of the game was hurt your opponent as much as possible. Because you'd gleefully play it. Oh my goodness, loved it. Just to hurt people, especially Anna. Yeah. Big sis Anna. Big sis Anna, we live Hello. to hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, but it sounds like it. So, what I also liked about the Oculoid Tracker was when it was looking at the Doctor and Sarah, and you see the Doctor and Sarah from the Oculoid Tracker's point of view in a sort of red picture. Was it purpley? Yes, it was purpley. Loved it. Yes, well, that was cool. Yeah. The other things I liked was when the Doctor was talking about antimatter and what they what they were dealing with, which was the boundary between existence as you know it and the universe you just don't understand. <laughs> you see, I hate that. It's like, just don't tell me there's a reason, but I'm not going to understand it. Like, I get really, I don't know. I just feel like if you're going to say it's just too hard to understand, it means you don't understand it, and therefore I'm annoyed. And I, Anything that involves antimatter. Even like, um, what's... Um, Omega? Yes, Omega. That's the, the first antimatter story. This I is the hate second. it. Do you? I really hate it. Do you it. hate the story or just hate the antimatter? I hate element? the concept because it doesn't make sense. Because I feel like the whole point of antimatter is that there isn't some kind of constructed world that you can be in with antimatter. That just because it's of, not matter. Yes, and so just and I'm just like no, let's just not have an antimatter story because the reality of it is just so impossible that it just makes me angry. So no. Gosh. <coughs> Sarah's plan in Pyramids of Mars. Yeah. To leave in the TARDIS, um, which is thwarted by the Doctor showing her the future when they leave. 1980 or whatever it's meant to be, mm. unit dating controversy. Um, it seems to be precursor to because it's the story before in which she suggests to the Doctor that they get in the TARDIS and disappear. Yes. So she, he doesn't give her a good reason not to here. Yes. But that's true. But, but right. the next story he does. Yeah. So that's that's actually meet this head on here. Yeah. We uh, we could get in the TARDIS and disappear. It's tempting to let them go ahead and destroy themselves. The trouble is, they wouldn't be the only ones. How do you mean? Cataclysm. The Big Bang? Yes. The end of the universe. I like that Michael Wisher was in this. Like, I know you kept saying, like, you know, it's a a pretty crappy role compared to being... Morelli. But everything that he... Did because he does have that timbre to his voice. He does timbre, have it's a good word. He just it really is quite it's grating and everything that he said, regardless of the fact that his character was kind of all right, I was shitting myself, and I just thought he he is one of those people who you just like never ever meet that man in a dark alley. He just he, is utterly terrifying. Creepy, isn't he? No matter what he says, he's like, "Hey, how are you?" You're like, "Ah, oh, he's terrifying." Is that because you're thinking of Davros or just his timbre? I, just maybe that that's what I associate with it. I don't know, but it's just something that, yeah, he he will always be wonderful. Good. I must <coughs> do a shout out to the Farrah Harrogate Toffees tin. Oh, yeah. Which the Doctor has the antimatter in. It does. Because we have that tin. We've had it on the side for years in our house. Pretending like it's not because you're a Doctor Who fan. I know, but I didn't realise it's actually in a Doctor Who story. It's actually in a Doctor Who story. Amazing. I know. So I'm very pleased that now I'll put it out as, as an actual artefact Yeah, put it, put it with your collection of Doctor Who dolls now. <laughs> I think I will. Yes. 
I liked. Tell me what you liked. A thing. What was the thing? Where the doctor broke the fourth wall and made a real kind of thing about humans fucking up the planet, which I thought was oh, quite a nice moment. He what was, did he say? Oh, God, don't ask me to quote things. If you can then just go back and, and play this for us. And oh, I can go, play the scene. <gasps> Alex scene? made a What scene was it about? I don't remember. Fucking up the planet, broke the fourth wall. That's all I can tell you. But it was just like, listen to me because I'm saying something important kind of a thing. And it was just a, basically about us being terrible people. We're playing it in now. Good. Don't you learn anything? You're tampering with the balance of nature on this planet in ways you don't understand. It may already be too late. <gasps> God, Alex, you, you make good. such good you points. You such a good point. I know. Amazing. Well done. I think one of my biggest problems with Planet of Evil is that I just don't care about any of the characters. Yeah. I'm not interested. If there's been any sort of asides or anything that made me think, oh, I hope they don't die, or yeah. they've got a wife and son at home, yes. or, and even or like they've the, never been understood. The, the whole planet that they're trying to save, what was it? What's the, the Morestran Empire? Morestran Empire. I don't care about any of them. No. Just don't care. I care about Fashinsky slightly, but only because he oh. sideways looks at Sarah in a smiley way. Yeah, he is adorable. But and I also mean, the reason you like him is because he does what we need all of our heroes to do, which, which is, is listen is to the Doctor side, and Sarah. Yeah, side yeah. to the Doctor and Sarah, regardless of all sense. Um, did you like the line about? Um, but if we did full scale exploitation, <laughs> then we'd have perpetual energy. <laughs> I liked that. It's so. so we can completely fuck the place up, but we'll have really, really forever lasting energy like that. For the benefits of the listening viewers, I've got my thumbs up here. Have you? Yeah. Good. Is that because I remembered a thing? It was also because I think it's a good thing to do. What? Generally. To full scale exploit. Yes. <laughs> it's going to be worthwhile. Always like <coughs> full scale exploit a thing. So tell me, what do you think about the freeze frame ending of episode two, which is a David Maloney thing? End of episode two of Genesis of the Dark, Sarah Falls from the Gantry. One of my favourite episode oh, endings. Oh, yeah, you do love that. Yeah? And the Doctor falls into the pool here. Freeze frame. Like? What pool? Like. The pool, the black pool. Which oh, the like the pit thing. Yes. Pool? There's no water, is there? It is a pool. Do you? I do. I think they described it as a hole. Okay. I don't know. Never in love with a hole. Really? No, I think excited. it's just not very interesting, Because you're never thinking, oh, the Doctor's dead. You're thinking, oh, he's caught his hand or he's landed on the ledge or something. But back to the monster. Yeah. So, no. red outline, not good. Invisible, no. not good. No. The picture that I first saw in the 20th anniversary special magazine, mm. I was like, well, I don't know what that monster is. How can that be from Planet of Evil? I've never seen it. And it was actually... The monster costume they made for oh, the Antimatter Beast in order to create the outline, yes. but you never see it in the story. I agree. I, when they showed that again in the making of thing after, I was like, I recognise that monster, and I think it must have been from like magazines yeah. and books where we've been like, oh yeah, that's them, that's the Antimatter. Oh yeah, the Antimatter Beast, and yeah, and it's when you actually see it, it's so shit. It's nothing yeah. like it. It was. Mm -hmm. It was more like the whatever you call them in the invasion of time. It was just rubbish. We're quite happy with a dodgy bit of a cloak and whatever. But At least you can see it move more, you yeah. believe in it. Otherwise, I just think it's just a computer generated effect. So mm. it's kind of like, no. Give the order! 
Do it. Eight. False field of error. When was this? 1975. Oh. Um, were people more worried about the environment than I realised? Yes, because you had the Green Death in 1973. Okay. And you got the hippie movement, which is early 70s, late 60s, which is all about... So they really the were worried about people effing up the planet? Yes, because you've also got survivors debut that oh, year. yeah. So, yeah, there How was... How are we still yeah. so slow to realise there's a problem? What now, you mean? Yeah. All these years it's later. Like, that's this 40 been years ago. Forever. And we're like, we should really start thinking about this. I know, we? it's quite important now. Yeah. The Extinction Rebellion and all that. Yeah. And yet, Doctor Who was way before. Yes. Well, the 70s was just way before. All those, those nut cases. I think it was seen as a nut case thing. Yes, it was a fringe ideal as the opposed to. Touch. Yeah. Yeah, as rather than something that was mainstream, but now maybe it's mainstream. Mm. But only with people who don't want to. Gosh! Episode three. I feel we're on now. Oh, do you? Um, yes. Well, I've written down here, why is SJ having funny moments? And I think... <laughs> funny moments. <laughs> like, you liked Sticky that? Sticky moments. It still didn't make... <laughs> Julian Clary. Oh, yes. It didn't make sense to me. Like, I just even think that Sarah end... was very sensitive to the antimatter beast, and Gosh. it just made her freeze and do a finger splay thing, which I thought she did very well. Okay. But I suppose it's suggesting that she suddenly has this ESP thing that yeah. she doesn't actually previously have and or I, have since. Didn't, uh, no, it's like I it. don't understand. I just I think it gave Sarah was... something to do. Right. I think I kept thinking, oh, they're going to, you know, ask Acorn Antiques to explain why in a later episode, and it just <laughs> never did. So I don't get this, but you've got mm. lovely fingernails, so well done. Yes. Um, I thought you were commenting on my fingernails for a moment. Ah! You've got lovely fingernails, so well Thank done. You. Yeah, I think you. <laughs> so, one thing I didn't understand, tell me whether you did. I did. The Doctor sort of has his moment in the, in the pool, or the pit, and later it's like, oh, I promised the monster that we would take would not take any antimatter crystals. Mm. But you never see that conversation. It's just a secret promise that was had. Yeah. And he feels he's got leverage as to what happens. Leverage, perhaps. Leverage, even. Good. And... I just think, I don't know, it's just weird that he's got kind of this agreement without anything being seen on screen. Yeah, and again, that doesn't add to the whole feeling like we're part of the story. So much of the important stuff happening off screen, so much being something that's alluded to afterwards. Yeah. It just, it makes you go, sorry, what? Did, was I asleep at that point? Mm. And it just, I didn't enjoy that. Yes, yeah. okay. You could, in your mind's eye, a little bit kind of be like, oh, okay, you had a little conversation with the planet, made shit happen. And, like, I believed it enough, but it, it just, it meant as a whole that the sh the story wasn't flowing. You weren't in your own heart thinking, oh, shit, but he said that thing, so we really better follow through. You're just, you're not invested in the same way because you've not been part of this conversation. Mm. Doctor. What's the noise? You're all right. We're taking off. What? But the canisters. I promised. It's all right. They've been dumped. Your, your 
promises a time lord. Oh, what happened? It's difficult to explain. Oh, try. What did you do? Enter another universe and have a chat with it? I communicated. How do you feel about the Philip Hinchcliffe era in the sense that there are very few female supporting cast members? Yeah, I think it's a real noticeable letdown. It does feel... Like, let's be honest, like, the Daleks probably had... Well, it did, it had more female characters in it. Yeah, they three. were feeble, perhaps. And extra casts who weren't... Didn't Diony and Older Woman. Come on, we had Older Woman. <coughs> there was another um, one or something. Oh, yeah, I see. Um, but this one, yeah, no, I, I just... It does feel outdated. The fact that the 70s was aware that looking after the planet was important. There definitely was a feminist movement in the 70s and they can't say otherwise. Clearly, you'd imagine that there was some kind of a thought that in the future, women mm. might have some role somewhere. Because next story, Pyramids of Mars. Ooh. Again, Sarah's the only female cast member. Ooh. But yeah, no, it is. It's a real shame. And it would have added more joy to it. I think all of the characters were, as the outfits of the planet were all quite brown. Wouldn't it be really interesting if there some female crew members out? Yeah, it would have made a difference. huge difference. I think so. It just adds a dimension to it. It just... It does make it more one white men yeah. aren't everything. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I know, it just... It does fall back on that whole thing. Oh, you'd only really believe that if a middle-aged white man said it, so we're just going to have to stick to what we know. And, yeah, obviously it was the 70s and, you know, it's passed, but it's a shame. And, yeah. and there was enough occasion prior to this where women have been involved and made it better that you'd have thought they would have learned and mm. realised that people want it and benefit from it. So I mean, it makes me think of that Doctor Who story, Colony in Space, which Michael B. Bryant, good friend of mine, like to say, would you name drop? Good. Did help with his. Mine own too. God, biography. he loves me. He does. Does he even know I exist? No. No. Well, he would have done. I would have mentioned you, but he probably doesn't remember. But anyway. God, Michael, remember. Michael E. Michael E. E. <laughs> e. Um, cast. <laughs> Susan Jameson as Captain Dent in Colony in Space and they were like no we can't have a woman in this role so you have to go for a man but he cast a woman as the evil villain which is fantastic right but not, wasn't allowed that's really overruled annoying. by head of series stupid I mean that was a few years earlier but yeah I think some directors thought no let's cast against what's been written here and have women in the role yeah but they weren't others. supported no. yeah Yes. Yeah, no, it's, it's a shame. Obviously, it's a, a different time, but it just, it certainly would have added something to it. Um, yeah, what's this thing? Yeah, no, again, I was just all like, what's going on? I didn't understand whether or not Sorensen was always bad or whether or not he was bad from the moment we saw him. Or I don't think the direction's clear enough on it. No. Also, something I spotted, which I hadn't spotted before, when... They have the little hutty, cosy little hut thing on the planet. I love yeah. a cosy little hut on the I planet. I love a cosy little hut. They have a panel on its side with this big silver button on it that you can move up and down. Yeah. Then it's on its side on the ship, on the Merestrian ship, the same panel. It's also the same panel that's in Ark in Space that they throw the scarf up to try and bring it down. <gasps> Is it? It's the same panel. Oh, that's the Reused. Oh, okay. It's a good one. It is a good panel. I can see why they reused it, but Merestrian... Stuff on Never Beacon, just saying. Yeah, no, that it's the culmination of lots of different species, potatoes. Coping <laughs> <laughs> with that. Um, <coughs> clean and tidy. That feel like it should come up with something as a rhyme. No. Ben, slide me. <laughs> That's a picture 
of a handheld vacuum oh, if cleaner. If only you could see this picture. <laughs> a handheld vacuum cleaner. This is a glorious illustration. AKA the Morestrin ship. It is a bit like a big vacuum cleaner, isn't yeah. it? Or at least a small no, one a for a car. No, yeah, a small one. A dirt devil, no less. Um, <laughs> And with a man being ejected from it. Oh, yes. that was a moment, wasn't that it? That was a moment, clean and tidy. And Just ejected in space, that's yeah. quite ecologically sound, is it? Sarah was not happy. No, I well, I think she was a bit worried about it, wasn't she? My comment was horrid. Not yeah. nice. And oh, I liked a bit where, um, when it's clear that Sorensen's get a bit grumpy, but no one yet knows that he's infected with the shit. Yeah. And I really enjoyed Sarah's reaction. You know, like, you know, like when you're you're at like Christmas with the in-laws or similar with family. Let's just say, <laughs> well, yeah, family perhaps. No, but not family because you okay. don't care if family's angry. Oh, I see. So you're so at people, Christmas with the in-laws. So this is if like I'm at Marisa's house. Yes, and you kind of have to show that you're not thinking these people are mental. Yeah, and even um, though you're feeling it with every fibre of your being. Yes. And Sorensen gets really, really angry about something to yeah. Sarah. And she's just like, right, I'm not arguing. <laughs> and she's just like being really okay she gets with quite, it. Yes. Yeah, and it was just like, yes, I know how you feel. <laughs> it was quite funny. I see that. I totally nice that it. Yes. Good work. What is your friend's field of science? Oh, everything. He's brilliant. And he's wrong. He has to be wrong. Antiquarts come in three configurations, exactly as I predicted. All my theoretical calculations have proved this. We shall find a way of discovering the energy. So we're almost at the end of episode three, where they get stuck in the ejectors. Yeah, they're going to get thrust out by Mister Salamar. Bad. Um, and it is murder. Yes. And he's completely lost it by this point. I think Do you think he should have had a bit more of a breakdown, Salma? I think that might have been better. Yes, because it doesn't... You're not completely, like, there with him being a horrible person. You're just thinking he's... He just thinks slightly differently to me. I he's think just he, a bit too straight, isn't he? Yeah. It's a bit like Rimmer in Red Dwarf. Oh, yeah. Dealing with the situation or not dealing with the situation. Gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. So episode four, it's almost a bit of a um, afterthought of Vizinski. He leaves, goes to leave the room. Did you notice? And then he comes back to to move the switch so that the Doctor and Sarah aren't ejected. But he almost forgets to do it. Ah, yeah. And I always think Doctor Who just to be over at that moment. Yeah, if he'd just forgotten to go back and they would just the be switch. ejected in space. Yes. That would be it. Yes, that's good. I did love the feeling of finally when Vizinski's kind of like stopping the madness and he's just like no. This isn't happening anymore. Yeah. And he's like, he's almost like a, an unwilling leader. It's just yeah. like, well, I know I need to stand up for what's right. And it was just like <laughs> yeah. that only bit where you're like, yes, someone's making sense in this. Because like someone's just, only I can give a red alert and all the stuff. He's being yeah. like a little kid. He is. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was just mm. finally, we're like, oh, someone's on our side and it's getting it. And I think, yeah, like that point that you make that, we didn't like anyone up until then. Like there was no one in there that we actually cared about. Mm. We didn't want anyone to survive. But suddenly, with Vashinsky, we're like, okay, he's made the sensible choice. We have someone to put all our hopes on and actually care about whether or not he survives. So that that finally started working for me in episode four. I think I enjoyed episode four more than any of the others mm. because I was like, okay, yeah, we've got someone now. We we're, we're on side, and it just shows how important that is for a show. Just to 
to have someone in there that were like, yeah, yeah, you're with me. You yeah. get me. Something I hadn't noticed before, which is a connection with the next story, again, Pyramids of Mars, mm. is, you know the bit on Mars where they close all the doors? Yeah. Or do they open all the doors so they can get back to the TARDIS? Ah, that's it, yeah. But here, they close all the hatchways. It just reminded me of that. They say, close all the hatchways and all the hatchways come down. Like it. Good. Yeah. Favourite line of the episode, this episode. The tissues are so hybridised, the next change could be the final one. Could be. I do like a hybridised tissue. You never know when it's too hybridised, do you? You have to know when that moment of, of over-hybridised tissues happen. Yeah. Let's see how's your hybridisation going. How hybridised are your tissues on a scale of 1 to 10? 20. 20? Fuck. I think you're almost anti-man. Yeah, I reckon. We're going to have to run around with a red outline of Christy. <gasps> I can actually see his red outline from here. Oh my Christ. <laughs> so, I love, because I do leadership courses. Do you? I'm not touting for business, but I do do leadership <laughs> courses. But if you would like to come yes. him, please I'm available at this address. <laughs> no, but I love that Salomar stands for all that crap leadership of the 1970s, which is big, strong men who say are loud and they're Neanderthal and I'm strong and I take action, therefore I'm a leader. Yeah. He's very much that sort of autocratic leader of the, of the 1970s. Open the hatch! Take the shielding off that neutron accelerator, you'll be dead in minutes. But I'll take Sorensen with me. You'd like that, wouldn't you, Vyshinsky? That might save your life. You'd like to live? You're out of your mind. Oh, no. No, this is leadership. Strong action. That's why I'm controller. Open that hatch. Now, open it! Let him go, Vyshinsky! Let go! He actually says, this is leadership, strong yeah, action. He talks about it, yeah. <coughs> that isn't leadership, by the way, if you wondered. And if you came on one of my courses, you'd discover that's not leadership. Oh my God, are you sure you're not charging for business? I feel like I am yeah. now. Yeah, I, I'm now going to be offering leadership courses myself. I've decided. So please contact what, me. in competition? Yeah, yeah, oh my God. Undercutting your own <laughs> co-podcaster. I'm going to tell people to oh parent. Oh my God. Parenting, unlike Salomon, not parenting. Leading, not like Salomon. I even know what these things are. <laughs> I think it's going to have a lot of uptake. Yes. Just saying. Good. And anyone yes. who comes on the course is going to have to wear... A blue jumpsuit with a white... See, you're not going to get a <laughs> If that's what you're going to go for. I, I, People in my course can wear whatever they like. You it's, see, it's, it's very free and easy. It's a experience. leash <laughs> experience. Does it take place on a spaceship? No. I see. You, it takes you had a place chance. in a psychedelic jungle, you fool. Okay, well, <laughs> sign up at the end of the episode for... Alex's interminer leadership course. See, to minor. I'm interminering. I'm oh kind of a monster. Mistake. Um, so, we're almost at the end. I like the fact that um, Sorensen tries to kill himself. He tries yes, to reject himself. Yes, he tries to be a good man. But then his hand gets too clawy. Just like Christie's clawing hands. Look at them. That's the only way I know Christie's not in a good mood, is when he gets a lot hairier. When he gets a claw hand. Yeah. <laughs> is he okay? Is he okay? Oh, no, he's gone very hairy and He's gone feral. <laughs> Quick. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I had Shalimar dead. Oh, Shalimar? Shalimar. Shalimar. <laughs> Is that a good <laughs> 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 
Salomar did oh well. Sorensen, we didn't like you, and then you did something. But both characters were... Oh, then you morphed, but both characters were too similar to notice. Thanks God for Vyshinsky. Thanks God. Thanks God. What I particularly... The end. What I particularly <laughs> liked about Vyshinsky at the end was that him and Sarah have a lovely little hug. They hug each other. Yeah, there's a but moment. I also feel like maybe Elizabeth Sladen's hugging you in so long. Played Vyshinsky. For the, the time they've had together. Because on, on camera, I don't think they spent... A lot of time together to no, warrant the hug. Everyone loved that dude, didn't they? Yes. Everyone was like so happy to work with Vyshinsky. I'll tell you something I did like though. Yeah. It's a bit of a, a moment which I think is a bit odd. Is when they when they go, when they leave Zeta Minor, the creature actually comes up from his little pit to say, Bye! Yeah! Yes! <laughs> Bye! <laughs> he almost There's raises no a little point. <laughs> I know. It's wrong. I don't think he should say goodbye. <laughs> I don't think an anti-matter beast would say goodbye. It's a little bit, yeah, it was a bit magic roundabouty. It was lovely. Nice. Um, yeah, I came up with a conclusion that... What conclusion did you come up with, Alex? That matter... Yes, equals times times jumpsuits. Yeah, that was it. The matter is hairless, antimatter is hairy. <sighs> I didn't understand like that thing. Like, it was just like, if you go hairy, that means it's antimatter... If you're not hairy, then that means you're a real human. It's just, it was an odd link, and I didn't I feel know. comfortable with it. I don't think I ever felt comfortable with with a lot of it. Okay. A lot of the story. But there was, ha- do, 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 was the happy music at the end, sorry, I'm there already. Do, 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 do. That was do, Sarah's do, do, do. music. And whose music is it? It's Dudley Simpson's music. Oh, but no, but is it, what's it meant to signify? I'm I think it signifies happy at the end of the I story. I love it. Do you? It's just, it makes me feel calm. Well, we can hear it now. Listen, if you listen, if you strain your ears, listen to it. It's playing behind us. Oh! I feel calm already. It's nice. Despite Christie's feral hands. Yeah, I know. Could you shave me? Thanks. Um, it's, not, it's not often a guy has to shave a hand. <laughs> Well, <laughs> not often a man becomes antimatter. No. But when he does, get the razor out. <laughs> <laughs> so, I feel like we've learned so much. Do you? No. No. So, Hall of Fame. <sighs> Sorensen. Vashinsky. Salomar. Shalomar the perfume. Shalomar. <laughs> With, we want you to work oh, Shalomar. Beergut Man. Beergut Man. Dehan. Dehan. And he could be coming up from the rear because... He's very big rear. Where's he up from? Really, it's, it's not easy to wear that kind of outfit. And at, not, at no moment did he hold on to his beer gut in a moment of self-consciousness. He owned it. He lived in that jumpsuit in a way that he's like, I'm supposed to wear this. This gut was made for this jumpsuit. This gut was made for being on Zeta Minor. That's just what, what he'll do. do. And what I'll wear this does. jumpsuit before the antimatter beast gets you. <gasps> oh my oh, god! I know, singing. Christmas number one. Christmas number one. <laughs> you heard it here first. Shit, that was amazing. The antimatter song. In fact, that's what we'd like you to do this week on Twitter, is if you could come up with verses for the antimatter song. Please God. Please send them. To the regular at World Enough Pod Twitter but, account. But could you sing them in a Nancy Sinatra style Please. Thanks. With an X. Good old Nance. Nance yeah. Sinatra. Yeah. Good. Um, so yeah, that was Planet of Evil. There's no synopsis required. 
I think we we started with a synopsis. <laughs> I don't think we really gave much to this because there was not much to add. So I think have we done a summary? Do we not need to do one? Do you think we've said enough? I just, yeah, I think. I we, think we have. It was so hard to go through bit by bit. It it was. I'm, oh, she's, I'm gonna do it. I'm summarizing. Doing it. You can see it. It's happening. She's summarizing. It had all of the ingredients <laughs> of all of our favourite shows. It had the joy of Tom Baker and Sarah together giving happy looks and smiles. Happy looks. Being themselves. Yes. Do 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 music. Do, 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 do. There was a clever monster. There was people with a bit of depth. There was greyness there, but it just didn't quite work. No. It didn't give us the joy that we wanted. I wouldn't even go so far as to say it's a 7 out of 10. Yeah. Is it that just, harsh? No, because it wasn't very good. <laughs> it just, in essence, that's where you get to. It just, it had all of the main components that would make us generally think, it was all right, I quite liked it. But altogether, it just comprised a not great story. I'll I, tell you why. So my view is that just certain... This just missing some set piece moments where you're really excited. And I think one of the problems is that Sarah's never enough in danger, and I always like her to be in danger more. Yeah, love a bit of danger. Really? Yeah. But I think they focus so much on that fracking jungle they forgot about plot. Yeah. But anyway. Because the jungle was a character, you see. Yeah, you see. Yes. It's a plot when your jungle's a character. Yes, ma'am. So there. So I feel. So, sorry, can you just remind me who are in the... Um, Hall of Fame, Vyshinsky, Sorensen, Shalimar, <laughs> and Dahan. Dahan! Dahan. Good. Winners. Yeah. All. So, you all know you've got to vote for Dahan, which means you're all going to vote for Vyshinsky. So, thanks. Now, you're all, what will you vote for? I think they'll vote for Vyshinsky. Will they vote Sorensen? They might do. Um. Anyway, please watch it. Tell us what you think, because... We can't quite work out why it's not good. Yeah, it, we really would like to know why it's not quite good. Why it's not good, rather. Because we don't want you to watch it and tell us it's really good because no one will believe you. Because you're wrong. But still, <laughs> give us some insight. It would, it would be interesting if someone felt it was their favourite story of this season. Well, being as Liz thinks it is. No, we've already decided. No, that she's wrong. She's wrong. Love so, you, Liz. Hope you're okay in your heaven place. So this just leaves us, yes, to... Next story. <gasps> well, come on. I think that my youngest daughter is feeling like you don't even love her. Youngest daughter being called? Cassia. So it was her birthday. When was it? Friday? Yes. Friday for all the people who are listening to us in three months. Let's not say the date because we'll sound really out of date. <laughs> Couple of days ago. Yes. But she, was she actually named after Cassia? She was. I was thinking, I need to have a child who is naughty with curly hair. So I'm going to name her after a Doctor Who baddie with curly hair. And fuck me, I ended up with a <laughs> naughty girl with curly hair and she's brilliant. She is so very brilliant. No, she really was named after Cassia. I thought, I like the name, I don't like the K. So I changed the K to a C, but that is why I called her Cassia. Is 100% after the Keeper of Trapkins. Brilliant, Cassia. Is she occasionally controlled by statues? Hasn't been yet. I'm waiting for the moment. You just don't know. You don't know. No. But she is quite wonderful, and her hair is a lion's mane of joy. Glory. Yeah. So, on that bombshell, we'll be watching Keeper of Trapkins next time. (gasps) 
Oh, Chris, are you excited? I don't think he knows. Extremely. Are you? Yeah. Good. Oh, rude. Okay. So, um, thanks. Thank you. And good night. Yes, that. And we'll leave you with some music from Planet of Evil. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> do, 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 do. Goodbye. leadership and control course. Set in the heart of Zeta Minor's psychedelic jungle, I will teach you all you need to know about ignoring your staff and their petty needs, about decision-making without care or concern for others. And if you book today, you get to keep, and never take off, a free polyester jumpsuit. The Ramana Harps Group reserves the right to refuse entry to those not wearing polyester. Chafing may occur.